bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's Word. So let's look at another experience in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. This is about Paul on his missionary journey. And we're going to see another example of the Holy Spirit leading us. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. It says, now when they had come through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidding by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go to, into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So twice, they are being resisted. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is another time when somebody is being led by the Holy Spirit, and this is Paul. And there are two things I want you to note. First is spiritual resistance. Spiritual resistance, when you sense an inner roadblock. So Paul wants to preach in a place, but he himself says that he was forbidding, and he was not permitted. He found a resistance. How was the resistance? It's just inside him. It's almost like something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. Somebody described it as, it's like washing your feet with your socks on. It doesn't feel right. You, you, you just, you're washing, but it doesn't, this is not my feet, it's socks. It, it's something just doesn't feel right. So that's what is, what is happening to Paul. He has every intention to go and preach somewhere, but inside him, something doesn't feel right. It's like there is a roadblock. It's one of the ways in which God leads us, where you want to do it, you have the plan, sometimes you even have the money, everything seems okay for you to do it, but inside, you just feel like there's no permission. There is no no allowance. And this is how Paul himself described the experience later in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, furthermore, when I came to trust to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. So, Paul, he is saying, it seemed like God had opened a door, I wanted to go into that door, but I didn't find any rest in my spirit. Listen to me. When God is leading you, there will be rest in your spirit. When it looks like this is an open door, this is favor. As we say, 
favor. Yay, this is an open door. But anytime you pray about it, you have no rest in your spirit. You just feel like you are washing your feet with your socks on. You feel like something just is not gelling. And it's not external, it's internal. You have to be obedient. You have to be obedient. Some of the biggest mistakes people have made is because they resisted that voice. They found the resistance, but they went ahead and said, well, time is against me. I still have to do it. I still have to do it. They went on and got the bruise of their life. People have made bad choices, personally, at the corporate level, in marriage, all through their lives. When they had no rest in their spirit, but bulldozed their way because they felt time was against them. So here we see spiritual resistance. And Paul says, I had no rest in my spirit and I didn't go. Then the second thing you see is spiritual release. When you sense an inner opening. In trust, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia calling for help. So he goes maybe to sleep. I don't know how he got a vision. But he saw a man from Macedonia. How did he know the man was from Macedonia? He was dressed like a Macedonian. So the man looked like a Macedonian from Paul's judgment. And the man says, come over to Macedonia and help us. It's likely it was a very short vision, very short. I mean, vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us won't be 30 minutes. So it's a very short vision he has where he sees this man from Macedonia and in his vision, a man said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, when Paul gets up, he doesn't go to Macedonia, but something very interesting happens. He shares the vision with his team and says, listen, we've been having this resistance in our spirit, but last night, this is the vision I had from the Lord, a man from Macedonia saying we should come over. And then, very interesting, there is an interesting word, the Bible says, and when we concluded, we concluded. Now, when you say you have concluded, it means you conferred. They discussed. So, Paul says, this is the vision I've seen, and the team sat down to discuss it. So I'm sure somebody too will say, well, I also had experience like that. I also sense it in my spirit. I also feel deep inside my spirit that God is saying we should go to Macedonia. And when they had reasoned among themselves, there was a consensus among the team, each one feeling the same sense that Macedonia is the next place to go. And they concluded that God had called them to Macedonia. Now, that's very important. The important thing is, Many times when God is leading you, he is also going to lead other people close to you, give them the same direction. And sometimes it's important to lay your vision before people you trust, for them to judge the vision, whether it is saying what you say, it is saying or not. There has to be a conclusion. This is really what God wants me to do. Now, so for example, you want to have, uh, do a business investment and you, and you believe God has spoken to you, you had a vision. 
If you believe that God doesn't speak just to one at a time. In the Old Testament, most times it would be just one prophet. But in the New Testament, it is a company because all of us can hear from God. You have to have a circle of people you can talk to who are sensitive to God, who hear from God, who, who, who really desire to know the will of God and submit that idea to them. So they can judge it for you spiritually to tell whether the conclusion you have reached is right. They concluded that God was leading them, so they went on to Macedonia. A great door was opened, and Macedonia was touched for Jesus. So you see spiritual resistance, spiritual release, but even the spiritual release is subject to discussion. Now, many times when people come to me and tell me, God said, that's the end of conversation. That's why you don't hear me use the phrase, God said, much. Doesn't mean I don't hear, I hear, but I've learned the language of the New Testament. So I would say, I sense in my spirit, I think. When I say I think, it's not just my head. But you have to always subject what God is leading you to, to for open judgment. Test the spirits, the Bible says. So somebody said, Pastor, God, God told me to marry Mary. How can I con convince you? God has spoken to you. The big man has spoken to you. How can the servant come and discuss it? You, once you say God said, you take common sense and spiritual judgment out of the discussion. And a lot of people make huge mistakes because they go ahead and say, God said, God said. Don't say that. Say, this is the leading I have. This is what God has revealed, or I think God has revealed to you. This is a vision I saw. This is a dream I saw. This is something I sense deep inside my spirit. When you do that, then others can gather and think about it and reach the conclusion that they're Concluded. Now, Paul did not say that God said we should go to Macedonia. He said, a man from Macedonia appeared in my vision and said it. And the people concluded, this is God leading. All right. Now, the last example of leading in the New Testament. Last example. It's in Acts of the Apostles again in chapter 20, and then we'll look at chapter 21 later. Now, in Acts chapter 20, something is happening. The Apostle Paul is going or is leaving the church in Ephesus, his probably most successful church mission was in Ephesus, and he was leaving the Ephesian church to move on on his missionary journey, and he's going to Jerusalem. So he has a meeting with the leaders of the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them what is going on inside him. I want you to listen to that conversation very closely. Acts chapter 20 from verse 22. And this is Paul speaking. He says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit. Note that phrase, bound in the spirit. To Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me. 
nor do I count myself dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. A very interesting use of words and language. Paul says, I am bound in my spirit. In other words, there is something in my spirit that is, not, that is fixed that I should go to Jerusalem. I know I must be in Jerusalem. I know I must be in Jerusalem. I am bound in my spirit. I can't change that. My spirit is, is just bound to that. And I don't really know what's going to happen to me when I get to Jerusalem. So he's bound in the spirit but has no full understanding of what implication that is. Except that he says, everywhere I go in all the cities I've been to since I've been on this journey before I got to Ephesus, everywhere I go, people are telling me that the Holy Spirit has revealed to them that I'm going to Jerusalem and that I'll be put in chains and I'll, I'll suffer. So Paul is saying, I'm bound in the spirit and there are people, believers also sensing danger for me in Jerusalem. Are you following that? So two things are happening here. What Paul is sensing in his spirit and what other believers in other cities are also sensing in their spirit. Now go to chapter 21 and we'll see another dimension of this leading in Acts chapter 21 verse 8 to 11. Acts 21 verse 8 to 11. Very interesting. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. That's a powerful home to be in. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea when he had come down to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Let me touch on something before I go a little further. There are two things happening. Four daughters of Philip who prophesied. And then a prophet called Agabus. Now the daughters of Philip are not called prophets or prophetesses. The Bible says they prophesied. Agabus, the Bible say, did not say he prophesied, but that he is a prophet. So there is a difference between being able to prophesy and being a prophet. Two different things. When Paul went, the daughters of Philip four were there. None of them picked on what was going to happen to Paul. So they were there with Paul, Uncle Paul. Uncle Paul is good to hear from me. Uncle Paul, oh, you know, just fellowshipping. And the guy is going to trouble, but they, they're not saying anything. Then Agabus came. Now, this is not the first time Agabus shows up in the New Testament. The earlier time, he had come to say that there will be farming in Judea, and it happened. Now, Agabus comes, and Agabus 
takes the belt of Paul, ties his own hand, and says, this is what is going to happen to the owner of the belt. It's not a nice prophecy, believe you me. <laughs> this is what is going to happen to the man who owns this belt in Jerusalem. So let's see the sequence of things as they progress. First is that Paul felt spiritually bound to go to Jerusalem. Paul already knew in his spirit that going to Jerusalem was part of his destiny. He knew it may not end up well with him. He didn't know exactly what form, but he knew Jerusalem won't be good. It's been good in Ephesus. It's been good in uh, other places, in Corinth, in Thessalonica. But Jerusalem won't be good. But he still felt God wants me to go. So that's the first step. Paul felt spiritually bound to go to Jerusalem. Second thing, believers in other cities sense the danger for Paul's trip. So Paul sensed it, other believers sense it. And the third step is Agabus comes and demonstrates and confirms what will happen to Paul. So before Agabus prophesied, other believers had sensed it. Before other believers sensed it, Paul knew it in his spirit. That is the pattern of the New Testament. You don't inquire from the prophet, but God can use a prophet to confirm what he has already been telling you. But you don't go to the prophet and say, what is God saying? That is Old Testament. You don't go for consultation to a prophet to say, what is God saying about my life? Will it be well? Will it not be well? That is Old Testament. They inquire from the prophet. So Saul's donkey is, is lost, go and inquire from the prophet. In the New Testament, God speaks to you. Other believers may sense the same thing and come into agreement with you, and God can then use a prophet to confirm it. That is New Testament. Now, not everybody who prophesies is a prophet. It takes a long time for a person to become a prophet. A long time. Because the prophet's ministry is not just about telling things about people. John the Baptist didn't tell things about people. Even Jesus himself didn't do much of that. They speak to the larger purposes of God. John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is that a prophet? Yes, because he's speaking the mind of God at a certain time. Repent, 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 repent. That was John's ministry. 
When people go to him and say, what shall we do? He says, you bad brood of vipers. You see danger is coming, so now you want to repent. Change your ways. He didn't say there will be breakthrough, there will be favor, the heavens will open. He said, change your ways, otherwise fire will burn you. <laughs> That's John. <laughs> repent! People didn't inquire from him. Even Jesus also started preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And speak, spoke about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. That was his prophetic ministry, introducing the kingdom, the kingdom, and the kingdom. People don't, didn't go to him and say, Jesus, so uh, this thing that is happening to me, where, where should I pass? Pass where you pass. What's your problem? People didn't go to Paul and say, Paul, this thing that is happening, where should I pass? Because the general principle in the New Testament is that those who are born of God are led by God, by the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament, every believer must learn to follow the Holy Spirit. But God will bring in people to confirm his word to you because all of us sometimes need confirmation. I mean, Peter is still not sure whether what he's seeing is right. So there has to be confirmation from Cornelius' side. Cornelius is not sure, so Peter has to confirm. Paul is not sure. Ananias has to confirm. Ananias is not sure. Paul has to confirm. Paul has a vision. He's not sure. His companions has to help him. So at a certain point, we all need something to assure us that what we have heard is right. But the first point of call for your guidance is the Holy Spirit speaking to you directly. So if you want to inquire of the Lord as a New Testament Christian, your first point is, Lord, show me the way. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, open my heart. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Spend time before God and allow him to speak to you. Now I'm going to run through the last part of my message very, very speedily. I'm going to run through it very speedily. So seven kinds of spiritual leading. Seven kinds. The first is spiritual conviction. Spiritual conviction is an inward awareness of sin. This is the first leading of the Holy Spirit for the believer, inward awareness of sin, spiritual conviction. John chapter 16, verse 7 to 9. Second is the spirit witness. The spirit witness is an inward assurance from God. An inward assurance from God. This is the assurance that makes us know that we belong to Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16. Third, is spiritual perception. Spiritual perception. This is an inward knowledge about things, people, and places. Things, people, and places. So God gives you knowledge about things, people, and places. Luke chapter 9, verse 46, 48. Number four, spiritual burden. Spiritual burden. It's an inward persuasion from God. This is a burden that God places on our hearts, lead us one way or the other. And Acts chapter 22, verse 
uh, chapter 20, verse 22 to 24, uh, what we just read about Paul says, I feel bound in the spirit. The interesting thing is, even after Agabus had come and said, they, they would still tie his hand, Paul says, yeah, I know that, but I still have to go to Jerusalem. So the word was brought not to stop him, but to prepare him for the hardship. Now, there is a general phrase that people use that God re- reveals to redeem. There is a truth in it, but it is not perfectly true. Sometimes God reveals to prepare. So he will tell you you are going into it and you will go into it. He won't redeem you from it. He, he just wants you to prepare for it. So in this Paul's case, he's going into trouble and he's going. So the revelation is just for him to psych his mind up because you will go through it. There are certain things in your life God will make you go through and no amount of prayer will stop it. You have to go through it. It's of necessity. But he will prepare you. But you have to go through it. And when you come out, you'll be strong. So spiritual burden, inward persuasion from God. Number five, spiritual sight. Spiritual sight, dreams, visions. In very rare occasions, trans. I don't even want to talk about it because it's very, very rare. This is an inward revelation from God. Usually, it comes in the form of a picture, a pictorial view in a dream or a vision. And Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 12. Then spiritual visitation. Spiritual visitation, this is a visual encounter with supernatural beings. It could be an angel of the Lord, which happened a lot in the Bible. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 to 8. And the last, which I consider the most important, the Spirit's testimony. The Spirit's testimony. An outward confirmation of God's will. Much of God's leading is inward, but a spiritual testimony is when God testifies and confirms that what he's told you inwardly is truly his. So another person led by God comes and confirms what uh, God has told you. That is spiritual confirmation. And you can still... um, use some of the verses I've read uh, to support that. So, summary. In the Old Testament, we inquire of the prophet and the priest. If you need to know what God is saying, you go to the priest. He uses the Urim and the Thummim, or the prophet. He sees a vision, gets a revelation, and tells you, thus says the Lord. In the New Testament, you go to the Holy Spirit and inquire of the Lord. And he leads you first from within. But he will also confirm through other believers' witness and through maybe a prophet's ministry or some other ministry. If you want to really grow as a Christian, your number one point of call, learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
because that is the primary way God is going to lead you. Whether in your private life, in your corporate life, in your marriage life, you're going to make a professional decision, God is going to lead you by the Spirit from within. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebe, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebe. Email otebe at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.